0: Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Starting Galatians 5, we're going through the last three fruits of the Spirit. And we saw in verse number 22, we'll read again, the beginning, but the fruit of the Spirit, is love, joy, and peace. And we tackled those. And then the next set was long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness. We tackled those on Sunday night. And now we're going to get into the last three to wrap up this Fruits of the Spirit study. Faith, meekness, and temperance against such there is no law. Faith. Well, first off, these last three guide our actions and how we live as a Christian. And in, in Ephesians chapter number six, watch what it says in verse number 16. We're all very familiar with both of these passages. It says above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Every soldier has one. We know this. Every soldier has a shield. Our shield that we bear as Christians, is faith. So that tells me, when I look at those two passages of Scripture and I tie them together, that tells me that when we are born again, we are, without a doubt, born a warrior. And God has given us the fruit of the Spirit, which is faith, to help guide our actions in life as we go through the battlefield. Because you will come under attack, make no mistake, you will be assaulted, make no mistake about it, this world hates Christians. So we need to understand this and be on the attack as we hold our shield of faith. How are we on the attack? It's a, it's, we know it's a spiritual battle, so we keep that in mind, but faith will protect you. Um. Go, go back to, well, go to 2 Timothy chapter number two. And as you're turning there, I'll read you, I'll read you a portion of scripture from Psalms. The Bible says, for thou, Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor wilt thou compass him with a shield. David said, but thou art, O Lord, art a shield for me. May we say what David says. As New Testament Christians, the Lord has given us the fruit of the Spirit, which is faith. 2 Timothy 2. Watch it to verse number 1. Now, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. A lot of things people want to be strong in nowadays. God asks us to be strong in the grace. That is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Is the fruit of the spirit is one of the fruits of the spirit? Faith does that guide our actions in life? What do we see here? Timothy is charged by Paul under the inspiration of Holy Spirit to teach and commit things unto what type of men? Faithful. Faithful. I don't think you can look anywhere in the Bible and not find God blessing faithfulness. It's all throughout the scriptures. And it is all throughout our life as Christians. Look, God saved us by his grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we're saved, he gave us one of the fruits of the Spirit is faith. He gave us that. We shouldn't have to worry unless we're getting so far down a rabbit trail away from scriptural truth. But if we're in God's word and we're with God's saints and we're praying like God. Asked us to do, and we're seeking him. This life's a faithful. It always has been and it always will be. You just have to trust that God's gonna gonna bless it. But we do need the shield of faith because the blows are gonna come your way and and they're gonna hit you, and the fiery darts are gonna come. Uh, That's why the Bible says, Thou in verse number three. In Second Timothy 2, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man the fourth entangle himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. <laughs> when the fiery darts come, you know they come fast. You know they come unexpected. It's pretty easy to understand this. It's not like in, in a battle and in a war, It's you're always trying to anticipate the enemy's move, and then all, all of a sudden, here comes the attack. It's no different in our Christian walk. And if we're not preparing through prayer, through fellowship, through Bible study, through all the things that we should do as Christians, the attacks are already unexpected. The fiery dart is already going to come your way and my way. We had better have some faith. And that's going to be one of the fruits that's going to guide our actions and help us get through it. God said to Abram in Genesis 15, he said, I am by shield. Proverbs 30, verse 5, every word of God is pure. This is why we want to have the right Bible. We believe God not only inspired his word, but took it upon himself to preserve it. And our faith and trust isn't in a translator. Our faith and trust is in God's promise to preserve what he inspired. And so he said every word. So we have a ruler of of truth. Uh, We have a ruler where we can measure truth. It's every word of God. And then it says in that verse, he is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. You know, the only way that you're going to protect yourself from false doctrine. It isn't a good church, but praise God, I want to be a good church. It isn't having a good preacher, and you know, bless God, I I I want to be a workman rightly dividing the word of truth. I I I, I desire to do that. Christian fellowship, as much as I, I I long for more of it, and I want more of it, and I want to inculcate that here. As much as I want that, none of those things. Ultimately, are the shield for you against false doctrine. As good as all those th- three things are, every word of God is pure. How do you protect yourself from false doctrine? This book. This book. We're not talking about, well, I kind of see this passage that might be a little obscure. Uh, Differently than you do a woman saved in childbirth. Well, what does that mean? Okay. Okay. Well, you might have a a different Take on that or angle on that and, and I might have a different take than you and We might talk about that and you might think about what I offer and I might think about what you offer That's not what we're talking about That doesn't mean someone's caught up in false doctrine Matter of fact, a healthy fellowship is one where you don't have a building full of people that are just yes men to whatever the preacher says. The preacher is just commenting on God's word, exercising his gift vocally amongst the flock. But this book is the shield. Make sense? Faith. Amen. You don't turn there for sake of time. Psalm 84 says, For the Lord is a sun and shield, the Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. <clears throat> Lord God is a sun and a shield. So here's what you've got, and here's what I've got. We have a life full of trials. None of us get away from it. Different trials, but we all have Here's what else we have. Continual temptation from Satan. Yours might be different than mine. Nonetheless, we're not getting away from the temptations. We got trials, we got temptations, and then enemies. Everywhere we turn, there's an enemy of God. And they're showing up at your workplace, they're showing up in your neighborhood, they're showing up we do uh, public evangelism all the time. You know what we got? The shield of faith. That's what we got. Which makes sense because in a battle you need weapons and God gave us the Holy Spirit, he gave us that fruit of faith. We're told to put faith on He's going to guide and protect us. He will be our son and shield. All right, so that's faith. Next one is meekness. Meekness. Let's get back to Galatians. Verse number 23 starts off with that. It says meekness, faith, meekness, temperance will deal with meekness. And if you fear God, if you're saved and you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you have that fruit of meekness and you have that as an inner fruit that works as a strength uh, for, for you. And, it, and, and that strength is called meekness. I'm sure if you've been saved at any length of time, you heard this. Meekness is not weakness, it's an, it's an inner strength. How do you stand up against the strongest powers of men? Not by lifting more barbells, right? You do that by meekness with the fruit of meekness. And you can face all types of opposition, even. If the opposition costs you your life through the inner strength, through the inner fruit of the spirit called meekness, I don't have a complete perspective of this. And I would probably gather that you don't either. As small as we are in number, there really are churches like this all over the United States. On their midweek service, it's a small little flock. And look, they believe the Bible, they're trying to do the thing right um, The apostate church has just Attracted pretty much the entire world And as much of a gray day That may be spiritually That is about the worst as it gets for us Because we're not praying for one of the brothers here that Saturday they release him and don't burn him at the stake publicly. You see? We're not praying that sister so-and-so, that she stays strong and she doesn't recant her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, Uh, Because they're going to stone her to death At the crack of dawn We don't have to deal with that But if you and I had to deal with that How do we face that opposition Even if it costs us our life The fruit of meekness The fruit of meekness A strong character A strong spirit. Meekness is not weakness. Moses was very meek. He was very meek because he had an unselfish will. Matter of fact, his one will was greater in strength and character compared to Israel's combined united will. Why was it why was Moses such a meek man? Because his will rested on God's will. The Bible says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Moses is meek. God calls us to be meek. I mean, he's given us that fruit there's no reason why we shouldn't be this fruit of meekness this sermon isn't hey let me show you how to get meekness if you're saying this sermon is you have the fruit of meekness it just has to be able to be you got to find it in the toolbox and, and, and get a hold of it you have it I have it it's just Most times Christians get caught in, and myself included, yielding to the flesh. And we should yield to the Spirit, and we'll be able to find that fruit in the fruit basket a lot, a lot easier. Now, and so Jesus says, For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Moses' will rested upon God's will. Guess what our will should rest upon? God's will. This doctrine of God's will really has been twisted because it becomes, well, I'm a Christian. I read the Bible. I want something. It must be God's will. It It's not, that's not the progression of how the sentence of the paragraph should end. It's, I'm a Christian. I read the Bible. I want to try to rest my will upon God's will, even if that means I get rubbed the wrong wrong way or I don't get what I want. Now, I am not putting forth that I begin to understand all of the ins and outs of that, but I do know this. If the majority of the people are against you, does that mean you're out of God's will? Not necessarily. We see the example in Numbers. Ten spies. Now they got their will, but their will wasn't resting on God's will. God allowed them, because he's a gracious God is a gentleman. He allowed them to have their will, and they suffered the consequences for it, but they didn't rest their will on God's will. But can, if if everybody says, hey, that's a bad thing, and you say, no, it's a good thing, could that be the will of God? On the other hand, it could. Why? Because there's safety in in a multitude of of, of counsel, right? So you got both. Which one is which? Well, yes to both. They're both there. This is why these things uh, in life and church matters are sometimes difficult. Because you've got to weed through this. and. If you really tap into the fruit of the spirit and and try to get a hold of what God's saying and just put your flesh aside, that's probably where the meeting out of the discernment begins. Uh, Ephesians 2. Look at Ephesians 2. I don't want to just go along with the crowd. The crowd is typically wrong. But I also don't want to disobey God by not listening to wise counsel for a multitude of people. I don't want to disobey God in either way. So I think we should be careful of that. Ephesians, uh, it's chapter 4, I'm sorry, Ephesians 4. Verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Don't worry about somebody else's walk. Worry about your own walk. How? With all lowliness, and here it is, meekness. With long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And if we all have the same fruits of the Spirit, that should be pretty easy to do, except it's not. <laughs> right? Because it's not like the Christians bicker and fight and have disagreements and arguments and church splits and all that kind of thing. It's not like half of the congregation had all the fruits of the Spirit, including meekness, and the other half had them all accept meekness. Never the case. All of those Christians had all of those fruits. The Christians who are really getting a hold of the fruit of meekness. You ever been to a circus? And you see those wild animals? That's some strength under control. Because of that wild stallion that horse trainer has just a little whip and a, a whip on a stick and he can control that animal all around that ring. And then they bring out the lions and then, and, and then they bring out the tigers and they set them all up. Now, if you ever seen that live, I'm always thinking well, I wish I got a seat a little higher just in case. Cause man, you get a tiger that just goes bonkers. What do you do? Panic? <laughs> just run as fast as you can run. What are you going to do? That powerful animal, all of that strength is brought under control where it just looks from the audience. It just looks like you, you would just want to just go up and pet the animal. Except each step closer, you're going to rethink your decision. Because you know how powerful that animal is. The Bible says, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Our omnipotent God has unlimited power. In other words, if it ever got out of control, he had the power to create all that's been created. You see the storm that came through a few hours ago? God can control that all those tsunamis, the worldwide flood that happened, everything that we see uh, that happens in nature that is just terrifyingly just raw. God controls that. Jesus Christ, God manifest in the body of flesh, is the perfect Picture of me. Could he have brought down ten thousand angels and wiped everybody out? You bet you could. You get God out of control. We're all That's not his character. He is completely in control of everything he does. So when we rest on him, he is meek and lowly. We find rest upon him. He has given us the fruit of the spirit of meekness. That tells us how should we act. How should our actions in life be guided? The same way. Tap into that fruit of meekness, and we will have strength under control. All right, last one is temper. Temper. What controls you besides the Holy Spirit? Get Philippians 4. We shouldn't allow anything. To control us besides the Holy Spirit. Not our flesh, not the devil. And if that's true, we should be guided and controlled by the fruit called temperance. And Philippians chapter 4, I'd like you to begin. We have all of these blessings from God, yet how many times our carnal passions, they just take over. And the next thing you know, we're just in the midst of some type of flesh fest. Whatever it is. We need to use temperance. We've got that spirit. The temperance allows you and I to be used by God. Philippians 4. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. A good, positive command. And again, I say rejoice because. Well, people don't listen. So God said it twice to remind us this is a command. And then he says in verse number five, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is that. It's a moderate. It's a, it's a moderate behavior, if I, if I could say that. And it's not just moderation that's being talked about in temperance. Because what allows you to resist sin? What allows you to resist sin is the fruit of meekness. Because people say, well, we won't chase this rabbit too far because it will be tied up in it. But down that trail. Well. Well. People say, Christians say, well, drinking, drinking in moderation, drinking alcohol in moderation is okay. As long as you don't do it in excess and get drunk. Well, I don't believe that. Because we don't look at sin and say, well, if it's sin, we can just do it a little bit in moderation. Okay. This is the apostate. Mega church. They don't preach against sin because really nothing is sinful anymore. As long as they are not doing it as much as the world. And so they say, well, that's moderation. So they might not go to the bar on Friday night and get drunk. They'll just have some friends over, have a Bible study, crack open a bottle of wine and call it a weekend. They're not as bad as the world and they justify it by saying, well, it's just in moderation and you guys that say drinking alcohol is a sin, well, you're just legalists and you don't like to have fun. Well, no, we just are exercising some temperance and we have some control. Because that's a fruit of the spirit. And that fruit of temperance controls us. Not our fleshly carnal desires that refuses to rest our will upon God's will. Instead, we force our will in direct opposition to what God wants. We ought not do that. Temperance is the ability to turn down carnal opportunities or spiritual opportunities. What do you mean by that? There's a lot of opportunity in the United States. Many men, many women, many Christian families turn those opportunities down for a spiritual opportunity. In other words, how many hours of overtime are you willing to work? There's no time for church. There's no time for family. There's no time for ministry. There's no time for anything. But I got to clock in for some more hours because that financial opportunity is now. And I don't want to miss. I'm not telling anybody to quit the job and stand out in the street corner and just preach all day. Nobody, God's not calling you to do that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) He wants us to work. You see, how do you think these athletes, uh, Actors and musicians, how do you think they get as far as they get? It isn't through temperance. It isn't through yielding to the Holy Spirit and going for the spiritual opportunity. No, it's all about going, look, I've got this opportunity now. I got to go for it. I got to go for it. I got to go for it. And they keep feeding, you just feed that animal. You just keep feeding it, and the hunger and the thirst for more keeps on coming. God says, let's control ourselves. Self-control, self-denial, self-mastery. God says, I gave you a fruit called, me- uh, called temperance. Yield to it. Go to Second Peter. Everybody wants to grow. As a Christian, I would hope do. Go to 2 Peter chapter number 1. Let's look at verse number watch the growth here. Verse number 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience. And then it goes on. And to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and the brotherly kindness, charity. What is that? That's the Christian walk. That's growing as a Christian. You don't want to be the guy that, well, faith, got some virtue, got some knowledge, got some, t- oh, no, I don't. I stopped right there. A lot of Christians are the half-averse Christians. Praise God, I got through half that first. Well, get through the rest of it. Keep adding, and that is what causes us to grow. Tell me, you've got that fruit of the Spirit. You've got meekness. Just yield to it, desire more of it, and stop yielding to the flesh. My, myself included, it's for all of us. Titus 1. Watch what it says in... <clears throat> Titus chapter 1 verse number 8 uh, Let's back up to verse 7 We'll get the context For a bishop must be blameless As the steward of God It's pretty simple to understand it's A church leader uh, Someone that is longing Or desiring to be a steward of God Now that should be all of us And even if you're not even if you're a woman and you're not desiring the office of a bishop, so to speak, that doesn't mean you can't make some practical application. We're going to make the application, but this is talking about if you're going to be in leadership in a in a, in a New Testament church, it says not self-will, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre. But a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. You need to have men that control their tempers. You can't have men that have temper tantrums. Grown men acting like little babies because they have temper tantrums. God says, no, control your temper. God says, no, I got a better idea. Be the one that tempers the problem. See how that works? Temper the problem. First Corinthians nine. First Corinthians nine. They got a sword. If you temper a sword, it, they say it provides the the edge is very, very, very hard. While the spine or the center of that blade is softened. They say that's how you temp that's a that's a tempered sword. It increases the toughness while it maintains a very hard and sharp and impact-resistant edge. And it helps that sword to prevent being broken. But in the middle of that, soft. In many ways, we can relate that to us as Christians. if We have that fruit. We have that fruit temperance. We've got to be able to take the darts. We've got to have some tough skin. People are firing off stuff at us. We got to just be able to take it. It's it's not throwing a temper tantrum. It's being able to temper the problem. Soft heart. Got to have some thick skin. Last verse for this evening. First Corinthians nine. And we'll look at verse number. 24. No, you're not. They which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run, that he may obtain. Well, that's because nobody signs up for the turkey trot in November, the 3K or 5K, whatever K race it is, and just can't wait to finish last. <laughs> Least I am. I don't know anybody. Thinks that. Everybody that enters the race thinks in their mind when they're at that starting date, they're going to, win. it's not like this is, you know, adults against kids or something, you know, you're, you're entering in a completely unmatched competitions. Don't work that way. Everybody's matched up based on their, similar criteria. Everybody gets to the starting line and says, I'm going to be the one that finishes. But not everybody finishes first. One person finishes first. That's why he's called first place winner. Why is it we get saved and we get nine fruits of the spirit that we've looked at? We have all of that truth. Why don't more Christians just desire to run like they would run a physical race? You've got everything you need. So do I. Guy spent $150 on a pair of Nikes. He thinks it's going to make them run faster. Well, you didn't spend any time training. You didn't spend any time eating right. You didn't spend any time sleeping right. But you think because you spent $150 on a pair of new Nikes that you're actually going to make it. You're not. And Christians, they think, well, I'm carrying around the Bible. I got my Bible under my arm, and I'm coming into church, and I'm sitting down. And You've got to own it. You've got to have your own Bible study. You've got to have your own prayer life. You've got to have your own witnessing uh, zeal if you're going to expect to finish well. Run well, but you've got to get some mastery. Some mastery. How do we do that? Verse 25 And every man that striveth for the mastery is what? Temperate in all things. You know what that means? Tell your flesh no, tell your carnal desires no. Squash it. Ask the Lord to help you squash that carnal desire and, and start telling your flesh, quit it. <clears throat> now they do it with uh, to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, But I keep my body and bring it into what? Subjection. Lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself shall be a castaway. Fleshly indulgence is the problem. God says, bring your body under subjection. Control yourself. Discipline yourself. Get up in the morning and pray by yourself. On your lunch break in the afternoon, read your Bible and get motivated to do it yourself. I'm not sending you a text message, and you're not sending me a text message. Hey, did you remember to read your Bible? No. Discipline yourself. People will do it for the Army. They'll do it for a martial art instructor. They'll be, do it for some athletic coach. Discipline yourself. Instant gratification. It's just short-lived. Everything in this world, it's a microwave oven. I'm not saying throw away your microwave oven. I've got one. I use it. Praise God for it. But this, we live in a, it's microwave Christianity. It has to make me feel good now. We don't wait for things. We don't work for things. I need it now. I'm not willing to bring my body under subjection because that's going to take some work. We think it's our birthright. I'm me and I just have to have it now. This is why people they don't save, people don't labor, people don't invest in relationships anymore. It's all a microwave. microwave. If you want to have a lasting relationship with somebody, get out of the microwave. Well, I said I love you. Yeah, that's what you said. That took you half a second, and then you just. Christianity isn't telling God you love him. If you love him, you're going to keep his commandments. If you keep his commandments, that's going to take some in your flesh know over and over again. It's going to take some bringing your body under subjection. And I want to do things, I want to do all things for the Lord with excellence. Church, church life, preaching, singing, witnessing, fellowshipping, praying, all of that. Let's do it with excellence. It's for the Lord. We do things in the world with, with great excellence. Let's try. Let's try. Wrap up these fruits. We've got them all. All nine. Faith, meekness, temperance. Those last three. Those actions that guide our life. Let's try to make. Uh, let's try to make some headway with that this week. Let's really yield to those fruits.